This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about asparagus. Yes. Uh, thanks to Secret Mermaid, our listener, and the epic request and pictures she sent of her in burlesque asparagus attire. I mean, that is how you get it to do a topic. Yeah. Uh, Apparently that's all you need to do is a burlesque routine uh, revolving around a food and we will immediately jump on that topic. We will drop everything else. (laughs) (laughs) This is a saver emergency. It's time to talk about asparagus. It is. It turns out it's kind of timely because... They're in season here um, and also associated with Easter by some folks because of their fast springtime growth symbolizing resurrection. Yeah, definitely a a springtime kind of treat. I uh, just cooked some some asparagus the other day, so so it is fresh in my mind. I definitely have a craving. I have always liked asparagus, but for some reason, like, one of my main memories of asparagus is— how weird I thought as a kid that it was my brother's favorite vegetable. Like, I thought that was weird. (laughs) Um, I don't know why that's, like, the thing that stands out. (laughs) I definitely didn't develop an appreciation for asparagus until I was a little bit older. Um, I don't think my parents served it that often, though. I can't—I don't have very many, like, deep childhood 
memories of asparagus. Maybe I've just blocked it out. Maybe it just wasn't of interest to me. So I forgot all about it until a little bit later on. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I love this stuff now and I still feel like it's sort of like a special treat because it can be expensive. So, uh, yeah. so I'm like, ooh, asparagus. Like, are we fancy today? Like, wow. It does feel fancy. You're right. I'm going to, I'm hoping I can get my hands on some soon. But all right, all right, all right. Let's get to our question. Yes. Asparagus. What is it? Well, uh, asparagus is made of edible spears, or the part that we eat are spears that that shoot up from an underground um, stem and root system that'll that'll go on living year after year, like up to 20 years, um, if it is properly tended to. And if you were to let those spears keep growing, um, uh, you know those like triangular scales along the shaft of asparagus, yeah, and, and that are also like bundled together at the top? Th- yeah. Those are protective coverings for, for where leafy feathered branches would grow out of that main stem, um, up to a height of like six feet or, or about two meters. Um, and and the, the, the bundle at the top of the spear is, is not a flower structure. Um, flowers happen on those feathery branches that you could let grow if you wanted to. Um, and, and some uh, flower structures develop into red berries that should you grow them, you should not eat because they are mildly toxic. Well, there you go. Important safety tip. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and we harvest and eat asparagus spears when they're still young and, and unbranchy because that is when they are tender. If you've ever had like a like stringy asparagus, that means it's old enough that it's developed a tough tissue in preparation for, for bearing the weight of future branches. Uh, fun thing about asparagus, the spears will continue using their sugars to develop that tough tissue even after you harvest them, uh, meaning that you should cook asparagus pretty soon after you purchase it. Although keeping it in the fridge does help stall out that development a little bit. Left to its own devices, asparagus spears will be mostly green, um, and that's from the chlorophyll that the plant creates when it's exposed to sunlight um, so that it can, you know, turn that sunlight into more energy. Some varieties will take on a purplish coloring um, just on the scales or throughout. White asparagus is specifically grown in dim or dark conditions, uh, often in like hills of soil, to prevent that chlorophyll from happening. And and that's why that's why white asparagus is more expensive. It's more work. Huh. Also not very popular in America, apparently, but that's, I know. But that's yeah. like the way that people prefer it, I guess, in, in Germany and France. So uh, so who knows? I have never had white asparagus. I'm trying to think if I have, and I can't I cannot remember for the life of me. So um Maybe not. Maybe I should. <laughs> a mystery of Lauren's history. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Asparagus do prefer temperate climates where uh, where the ground remains kind of cold into the spring, uh, which is when those spears shoot up. And it's enjoyed all kinds of ways. Boiled, baked, steamed in sautés and soups, shaved in salads, in schnapps. I've heard it's in schnapps. Schnapps? Asparagus schnapps? Yes, I heard it's very zingy. Huh. Someone write in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I've also heard about asparagus ice cream, and I want to try that immediately. It sounds so herbaceous. Like, yeah. I like a good, like, semi-savory herbaceous ice cream. Yeah. I do, too. Hmm. A craving I didn't know I was going to have today. But I know, right? Here we are. 
The botanical name for the asparagus that we're most familiar with, a garden asparagus, is asparagus officinalis. Um, the word asparagus derives from similar words for the plant going back to uh, the Greek asparagos, uh, which might have its inception in a, a pie root, meaning to spring up. No one is super sure about that one. And the species name officinalis comes from the Latin term for like the, the, the medical supply room or a dispensary of monasteries, um, pointing to... Uh, asparagus's use in medicine. Ah, yes. And that brings us to the nutrition. Uh, yes. Uh, asparagus is a great addition to your diet. It is just packed with uh, vitamins and minerals and uh, has good punches of protein and dietary fiber. It's low in fat and calories, though, so um, although it will help fill you up, uh, it's best paired with a bit of fat and a bit more protein to help keep you going. And traditionally, it's been used to treat all kinds of conditions. Research into its dietary uses is ongoing. Uh, bodies are complicated. More research is necessary. But one thing that there is, as it turns out, just a lot of research about already is asparagus pee. Indeed. <laughs> Just a shocking amount. Oh, my gosh. Okay. All right. So folks have been researching this, like, like in earnesty since about the 1950s. So if your pee smells weird after you eat asparagus, you're not alone. Um, asparagus contains a number of sulfuric compounds, including one that is unique to asparagus, um, asparagusic acid. Asparagusic acid? I didn't look it up, and I'm not going to, so there. Um, uh, researchers still don't know why our body deals with this stuff differently than with other sulfuric compounds so that it is so odorous in our urine. But if your pee does not smell weird after you eat asparagus, you are also not alone. Uh, researchers think that some folks just don't have the genes that code for the right olfactory receptors in our noses to sense these compounds. Um, and there's some argument about whether some human bodies might not even create those compounds to begin with. The general census seems to be that it's more the sensory thing, but further, um, the genes that code for those sensory receptors in, in, our, in our noses have hundreds of variants across our genome. This isn't like a single gene. This is like a lot <laughs> of repetition across our genome. So... Like, why did, why did our bodies decide that this was evolutionarily important? I, well, also, what can you do if you can't smell it? What? <laughs> this, is, this is not a question that I came up with on my own. This would not have occurred to me to ask. But in, in a study published in the British Medical Journal in 2016 that was looking into the, these genes that are responsible for being able to smell this, um, the, the, the researchers wrote, quote, future replication studies are necessary before considering targeted therapies to help anosmic people discover what they're missing. Uh, anosmic being a, a people who cannot smell this stuff. So yeah, there's, <laughs> if you've never smelled asparagus pee before, there's hope for you yet. Wow. Are there people out there that are just really bummed that that yearning, yearning. They don't get this very strange aroma. <laughs> They'll never I know. Don't, 
You know, I, I, I do get it. So I so I can't speak for anyone. I, I guess write in. Let us know. I, <laughs> I mean, sure, sure. I'd love to hear from someone who's like, one day I hope to know what this is all about. Yeah. Have you been like just just living with the sense of like like existential loss because you don't have this? <laughs> Like, is this, is this a thing that plagues your, like, waking dreams? Like, yes, just dreams of asparagus. <laughs> right in, we need to know. We, gosh, we do. Um, but, uh, but what about, what about some numbers? <laughs> well, all right, well, moving away from aroma, <laughs> pea aroma, you never know where it will go. Uh, China leads the way in asparagus production, followed by Peru and Mexico. In the United States, most asparagus is grown in California and then Michigan, um, but it has been introduced to the entire continental United States and to all of Canada. The Guinness record for the longest stalk of asparagus is from 2004, from, from, from Canada, and it measured over 11 feet long. That's like three and a half meters. Ooh, wow. Right? Right? Oh, and there is um, a very sweet story from um, from the Southeast Iowa Union from 2019 about this one gardener, I think in Washington State, who had an even taller one, but apparently it didn't make the Guinness Book. You know, I, I've read some criticism about the Guinness process. It's a little bit biased, but, you know, but people are out there trying for it, and I think that's what's important. <laughs> and there is a picture included with this internet article where this grower had created this wild scaffolding structure um, in order to support it. And I just, I just love everything about that. <laughs> that is pretty great. I love yeah. how, um, because asparagus can last, like you said, 15 to 20 years, some farmers call it like old friends. Yeah. Old friends. So yeah, she built a scaffolding for her old buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because she, she said that it was like, it was like growing like eight inches, like in, in, in a short like every short period of time, like a day or like a week or something like that. And, wow. uh, and so at a certain point, you know, she was just like, well, let's see how far this, let's see how far this rabbit hole goes. Yeah. Like, let's- <laughs> we approve. We approve. Oh my gosh. Um, there are also asparagus festivals. Um, there, there's one uh, annual one in Stockton, California, um, every April, and it has been put off this year, um, sadly. But, but they do. Uh, when when it's back, they they hold a, a world deep fried asparagus eating championship. Ooh. The most recent number and the largest record from which I could find was from 2014, and a professional competitive eater Joey Chestnut. Set the record of 12 pounds, 8.75 ounces of deep fried asparagus in 10 minutes. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot of things my brain is struggling <laughs> to process with that piece of information. Yeah. I'm still um, kind of stuck on the deep fried asparagus part. Yeah, I think it's like it's like whole spears that have been breaded and deep fried, which sounds delicious. And I'm mad that I've never eaten it. I know. Because, we fry oh everything. My, Why is that not a right? thing? Right? Right? Oh, gosh. Uh, I imagine it's like it's like deep fried green beans, but even more like tender and succulent. Well, now's the time for cooking projects. That's oh, for sure. Oh, gosh. 
And now's the time for asparagus. Perfect. There we Perfect. go. Perfect. <laughs> I also wanted to put in here that this that this uh, annual festival also has a Spirits of the Valley, which is their wine and beer pavilion. Spirits. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. It's, it's certainly something. <laughs> I love it. And I don't uh, care what that says about me. <laughs> me me neither. I, I appreciate what it says about you. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime. Oh my goodness. Um, and yeah, uh, we we do have some some history. How how did we get here to to these our modern times of asparagus puns and festivals? But uh, but first we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So we humans have been cultivating and eating asparagus for over 2,000 years, but they've been kicking around for at least 5,000 years in the wild. Researchers think asparagus originated in the Mediterranean and or parts of Asia, though wild varieties have been traced back to Africa. The crop was also probably cultivated early on in Egypt and perhaps used medicinally or as an offering in rituals. And the ancient Chinese would treat a steamed guest to an asparagus footbath upon arrival. Oh, gosh. Huh. Asparagus yeah. Yeah. Footpath. I like it. 
Um, I mean, not that not that they need my approval. Um, uh, yeah, asparagus was depicted on tombs in ancient Egypt uh, circa 4th century BCE. The ancient Greeks ascribed medicinal value to asparagus as well and also believed it was a, yep, you guessed it, an aphrodisiac. <laughs> I was like shocked that this surprised me how much of an aphrodisiac people thought this was. Um, but okay, more on that in a bit. <laughs> Hippocrates <laughs> recommended it for diarrhea, urethra, ailments, and as a diuretic. In one area of ancient Greece, there was a wedding tradition involving asparagus. Quote, After veiling the bride, they put on her head a chaplet of asparagus, for this plant yields the finest flavored fruit from the roughest thorns, and so the bride will provide for him who does not run away or feel annoyed at her first display of peevishness and unpleasantness, a docile and sweet life together. So, (laughs) asparagus, if you're feeling a little snappy (laughs) right now, (laughs) eat asparagus, it'll be okay. Yeah, it can heal marriages. Uh, so, yep. <laughs> that is the official. That ancient. is a science fact. Yes, yeah. yes. Pliny noted about asparagus, quote, if a person is rubbed with asparagus beaten up in oil, he will never be stung by bees. Now, do you imagine that this only works for as long as the the asparagus is on you? Right. Or is it a one-time application? Or is it right? Yeah. Is it like the cootie shot? Like <laughs> You're right. Well, you got to, as long as you do the complete cootie shot, though, because if you only do the first half, that, right. it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. You have to do it for all your life. That's a very important. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> We've got so many science facts for you today, guys. We do. You know, my favorite um, power in the video game Bioshock is the B one. And I Oh, of course. It's the best. But it I remember when I read about it, I was like, that sounds so silly. But then when I got it, like, no, this is great. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, I've never felt like such a gleeful maniac as when I had the power to shoot bees at people. Yes. Yes. But and I loved how it, there was the risk of danger too, because for anyone who hasn't played this game, basically you can attack people with bees. Um, but you can also leave <laughs> you can also leave traps, bee traps, and I love the danger of setting one of those. And then you're just walking along, mind your own business, and then you hear the roar of a big daddy because he stepped in your bee trap, and then you're dead. Yeah, um, yeah, you gotta watch out. You gotta watch out for bee traps. Yeah, <laughs> but if we had this thing from Plenty, right? We oh, would have been we fine. We would have been safe. Yep. I, we clearly need to go back into Bioshock um, and look for <laughs> the tinned asparagus. I'm sure that there's some in there. Yes, yes. That, that's probably the only way to protect yourself from the bees. Yeah. And if it isn't already, then producers of Bioshock, I'm sure you're listening. <laughs> go, yes. go on go on and write that back in. <laughs> very, very important. You've got to be historically accurate here. Uh, um, in addition to its use as a bee repellent, um, <laughs> asparagus is also mentioned in Ye Oldest Surviving Recipe Book uh, by Apicius. You go, asparagus. The ancient Romans ate asparagus either as a main course or a side. Um, some records indicate that at this time, some varieties of these asparagus were hefty, coming in at around one-third of a pound. So I can see— like per stock, yeah. Yeah, exactly, per- like it being a whole meal— um, Emperor Augustus loved asparagus. He would send elite guards called the Asparagus Fleet 
out in search of asparagus and then have the fastest people he could find take the freshly harvested asparagus up into the Alps to store them. The story goes he even coined the saying, quicker than you can cook asparagus, a saying I've never heard. But Me I neither. I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And I love I I love this story that this dude just had a fleet at the ready. Like, yes. qu- like as quick asparagus emergency. Go, go, go. <laughs> I yeah, someone's like, so what do you do? I am in the asparagus fleet. <gasps> <laughs> I can only hope it was a really esteemed position. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, like, oh, you must be very fast. Gosh. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Apuleius, first century poet and author of The Golden Ass, landed himself in court for witchcraft after he was accused of making a love potion to woo a rich widow. Oh. Yeah, and this potion was made up of asparagus, fish eggs, crab tails, I don't know what that is, a bird's tongue, and dove's blood. But he was acquitted. All worked out. Oh, well, that's good. Eh. Um, <laughs> fun, fun with language. Um, in Middle English, so sometime between like 1100 and 1500 CE, um, some folks apparently mistook asparagus, um, asparagus as, as a as a plural, leading to the singular asparagi or we asparagi. Were, which we were discussing this. Yeah, I love that. Yes, huh? Asparagi. I love the singular asparagi. Yes, I shall take one asparagi, please, just the one. But only the one. <laughs> in 1544, the physician to the Emperor of Habsburg wrote, Asparagus makes men have pleasant desires. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. And this was around uh, the time historians think asparagus arrived in Germany, probably through monasteries. By the 16th century, asparagus had made its way to the tables of the aristocracy, and French King Louis XIV was a big Big fan. So much so, he had special greenhouses built so he could enjoy asparagus whenever he desired. His second wife, Madame de Matinon, eagerly sought out new asparagus recipes. Asparagus was cultivated almost solely for nobility until the 18th century. And this is around the time the French cultivated variety made its way to Britain. Nicholas Culpepper wrote in 1653... A concoction of asparagus roots boiled in wine and being taken while fasting several mornings together stirreth up lust in man or woman, whatever some have written to the contrary. So he was coming out in favor. He's like, no, asparagus is an aphrodisiac, I tell (laughs) you. Just mix it with some wine and don't eat anything else. You know? I I can see. Yeah, sure. Uh... Oh my gosh, more more fun with language. Uh, from the 16 through the 1800s, um, if regular folks in the English-speaking parts of the world did grow asparagus, they might have called it sparrow grass instead. Um, asparagus was considered a little bit of like a like a hoity-toity, uh, like ivory tower sort of word. Like like what are you like a botanist calling it asparagus? Oh, sparrow wow. grass. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> During the 19th century, nervous bridegrooms were advised to eat three courses of asparagus on their wedding day to combat performance anxiety. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that was specifically in France, but, you know. <laughs> European settlers brought asparagus to the Americas by the 1700s, and Thomas Jefferson, yes, that one, he loved them. He had, like, a whole plot dedicated to them. 
Richard Bradley's 1719 Guide, New Improvements of Planting and Gardening, both philosophical and practical, came with this quote about asparagus. The asparagus is one of the great dainties of the spring, and what I account to be part of the most necessary furniture of a garden. Dainties of the spring? (laughs) Furniture of a garden? Huh. Huh, indeed. That is beautiful. Oh, I'm speaking yes. of, of beautiful. Um, in 1880, an art collector commissioned a work from um, from Edouard Manet, A Bunch of Asparagus. The, the name of the work is A Bunch of Asparagus. He commissioned it for 800 francs. Manet painted the bundle uh, of, of purple-tipped white asparagus tied up with string, um, sent it on to the collector, and the collector sent him 1,000 francs. Manet responded by sending a second, smaller still life of a single asparagus spear along with a note that said, there was one missing from your bunch. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> um, in Marcel Proust's work, In Search of Lost Time, collected from 1913 to 1927, he wrote, All night long after a dinner at which I had partaken of asparagus, they played lyrical and coarse in their jesting as the fairies in Shakespeare's dream at transforming my chamber pot into a vase, a vase, I say, of aromatic perfume. So people were wondering about this for a while. They were, yeah, yeah. Um, And man, he was apparently just a big fan of asparagus. He also wrote um, a later perhaps earlier in the same, I think later in the same work, what fascinated me would be the asparagus, tinged with ultramarine and rosy pink, which ran from their heads, finely stippled in mauve and azure, through a series of imperceptible changes to their white feet, still stained a little by the soil of their garden bed, a rainbow loveliness that was not of this world. Wow. Right? Wow. Okay. I'm going to get an asparagus and just prop it up and get some good lighting. And I'm just going to try to appreciate the beauty and see if I get anywhere near what he's writing about. I mean, I mean, I think he was also talking about the white variety of asparagus here. So maybe we're really missing out on something. You're right. You're right. We need to get the world pandemic under control, number one. Step Two, one. go to France or Done. possibly Germany. Yes. And, and three, seek out some white asparagus, possibly go to a farm where they're growing it, Mm -hmm. reach our little grubby hands into the, into the soil. There's apparently a specific um, asparagus cutter tool that you use when you're, when you're reaching in there into these hills of earth uh, to, to pluck these white asparagus uh, that have never seen the light of the sun. Um, Go check it out for yourselves. That is the only way. There is no (laughs) other way we could get our hands on white asparagus. That's it. <laughs> I love it, Lauren. You're always seeing clearly what needs to be done. <laughs> I can't wait to present I'm, this plan to our boss. <laughs> I am practical, if nothing else, and I think Connell will agree. I think he will, because he's a man of sense as well. So <laughs> soon we will understand the beauty of the white asparagus. Gosh, I hope so. It sounds so nice. It does. Oh. But anyway, back to the history. Uh, In the 1950s, canned asparagus hit the shelves in the U.S. It was pretty popular. And I'm pretty sure that that's where um, the tradition of of asparagus casseroles in in Christmas and Thanksgiving tables came about in in the United States. Because 
previous to that, I can't imagine that you would have gotten that much fresh asparagus around that time. Now, nowadays, we can get it pretty much all, all year round from um, northern hemisphere places in the spring and southern hemisphere places in the fall. But anyway, another literary reference. In the 1985 novel uh, Love in the Time of Cholera, uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez writes of a character having this disastrous day and his only consolations to this day being A, a, a nap, um, and, and B, the immediate pleasure of smelling a secret garden in his urine that had been purified by lukewarm asparagus. Whoa. Well. Right? You know, that goes back to what we were saying before, the sadness if you can't smell this lukewarm this garden. Yeah. Yeah, according to no less than Gabriel Garcia Marquez, um, you, if you're not smelling it, you are missing out. Stop and smell the asparagus pee, everyone. And then if you can't, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's what the saying should be. Yes, I, I will put it to a vote immediately. Great. <laughs> the savor <laughs> democracy rolls With ahead. whom? I am not sure. But <laughs> we'll figure out the details later. Mm-hmm. Um, in recent asparagus news, thanks to a few trade agreements, the amount of asparagus production in the United States has dropped 64% from uh, 2004 to 2014. And it has not rebounded, I think, since. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Gosh. Yeah, it's pretty severe. There's there's a handful of like government memos about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and it's uh, it's for a lot of reasons. It's it's the trade agreements, but also it's kind of difficult to grow, and it does take sort of a a minute. Yeah, yeah. You're you're not supposed to really harvest um, a- any of it for the first year that it's grown, um, and much at all of it for the second year that it's grown. It's really in the third year that Growers say that it's okay to start really taking stalks off because before then, yeah, you're you're um, letting that that root, that underground stem and root system develop so that it will produce um, large crops of of flavorful, tender shoots. Um, so yeah, so it takes takes a minute to start up, and and I'm sure the climate change isn't helping. Nope, nope. Um, and it is like it is the old friend, so you have to. Have to be gentle with the asparagus. Oh, you do. You have to. You have to. You have to take care of it. It's a. It's a long-term relationship. <laughs> we all need a long-term relationship with asparagus in our lives. Yes, <laughs> we yes. do. I agree. <laughs> well, uh, that about is what we have to say on asparagus. It is. Um, we do have a little bit more for you, though. Uh, but first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with... Shooting up for the spring. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) I don't know why I even have to explain. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. It's clear. (laughs) Yes. I should should let people interpret it. uh, As an artiste, I am putting my own interpretations, and that's wrong. I don't know. I don't think it's wrong to let people know what you are thinking when the intent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the artist's intent. Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, like it would be weird if you said if you said it before, if you were like, now think of this one as this mm. thing specifically. That would be right. a little bit, you know. Hoity toity. Yeah. Like calling it an asparagus at a certain time in history. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not what I want. No, no. You don't want <laughs> no. anyone to think that of you. Nope. No. Never. Sam wrote, I've been a fan of savor food stuff since the beginning. And ever since this mad situation we have with the C word being COVID coronavirus around the world right now, I realize food is the one thing I need to keep relatively sane and happy. I actually caught myself once or twice thinking it's okay. As long as I have cheese, Marmite, bread and butter or something to make it with, I will be absolutely fine. Oh, now, though, I realize I also need food stuff. Sorry, Saver. I've written in (laughs) tons with my madcap, usually disastrous adventures with food. And one of my favorite sections of the podcast alongside what is it? And the history is listener mail. It warms the cockles of my bitter little heart knowing there are people out there who love food as much as I do. As someone who works in mental health, I totally know how difficult it must be for you two to just carry on and keep doing what you're doing, but you really pull it off. Oh, thank you. It's exactly the same as the show we've all come to know and love. I absolutely loved the Bond Me episode, and I had actually made some ponds of me recently. There I was spreading Marmite on my cheese and Marmite toasty monstrosity, and I thought, my God, (laughs) pan, French colonialism, Bond could it be? And that was almost immediately before Lauren mentioned the exact same theory. <laughs> it honestly made these monotonous days when everything is the same just a little bit special. That being said, I listened to the meat pies episode. Lauren, you're a Hufflepuff. 
Any no argument there. Slytherin. Oh, big argument there. Really? <laughs> Outrage. I won't stand for it. Um, I, once again, the snooty little Ravenclaw, have deigned to look up from my book to chip in with something no one wanted to hear. (laughs) You kept mentioning pastry when you make shepherd's pie. What? Okay, I googled this and apparently a long time ago it had pastry. But no shepherds or cottage pie I have ever eaten or even heard of has pastry. After some more research and a real roller coaster of emotion as the whole world <laughs> as I know it flipped upside down, I came to a conclusion. There were once two styles of shepherd's cottage pie. Scottish and Irish and the Scottish style had pastry. This was a huge blow seeing as I'm Scottish and I thought I was on the right side of history. But alas... It's the other Celts who are taking the pie world by storm. Then I got to thinking, cottage pie with cheese on top like my dad makes it, inside a pie case. Then the whole world made sense again because carbs inside of carbs is the Scottish way. Ah, very wise, very wise. (laughs) Very wise words. Okay, so Annie, would would you share with us? The the level of emotion that you experienced when you when you read this email? Why yes, but it might blister, so step back if you need to. I uh so I wish I had been recording my reaction when I read this very lovely email when he suggested I'm a Slytherin. I I almost immediately responded, no, all caps, of like flip the computer. I will not stand for this outrage. Um, but I, I, I tempered my reaction and I waited, you know, mm-hmm. and I just want to say to any Slytherins out there, yeah, that's all totally cool. And uh, Lauren, actually, you were the one who, when we were in New Orleans and I was like, oh, I'm so Gryffindor. And you were like, well, you are, but I think there might be some Slytherin in you. <laughs> and we took the test, and i that's my second highest percentage. Um, <laughs> nevertheless, I uh, I was definitely trolling you a little bit when I said that. Um, but not because I don't think it's true, but because I am a little bit of a troll. So that I love that you know me that well, and I just fell for it immediately like no questions I was like this can't be true it was like luke skywalker it was my luke skywalker moment like my this is my whole what if oh. i what if i'm not who i thought i was oh my gosh uh yeah yeah um i am definitely like 100% ridiculously a hufflepuff like every test i've ever taken was like oh dude dude <laughs> Um, there's like a little bit of Ravenclaw in there somewhere, but like, and, and like a little bit of Gryffindor and like probably not very much Slytherin, but yeah, it's all the tests. It's, it's very funny because I've got so many friends who's, who like change over time and mine's just like, nope. (laughs) Yeah. Mine's been consistent. And I have to say, like, when I saw the percentages, I was kind of upset at how low my percentages were for both Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. I think they're both five or something. I was like, really? Wow. I don't have any, like loyalty or <laughs> smarts or whatever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Do all four houses have have aspects of the others within them? It's okay. It's true. If, if anyone out there has never experienced the world of Harry Potter, you are probably very confused right now. <laughs> <But> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I tried to explain this to Chuck over on Movie Crush, and he was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, I actually do think 
most people have like a strong first and then a like pretty strong second. And if you look at the main three characters, like Harry would be Gryffindor Slytherin, Hermione's Gryffindor Ravenclaw, Ron is Gryffindor Hufflepuff. I think that's just a theory of mine, but <laughs> I think uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's human human nature. You know, we're we're all we're all a little bit a little bit of everything. It's true. It's yeah. true. But anyway, <laughs> that's our Harry Potter <laughs> sidebar. <laughs> We had Bioshock sidebar, now we got a Harry Potter sidebar. Oh, it's like we're weird nerds. That's very, it's very <laughs> unusual. This never happens in these episodes. Never, <laughs> never. Oh, um, okay. Uh, Olivia wrote, About two years ago, y'all did an episode on gingerbread. I don't know if y'all ran across this in the research or had heard from another listener about it, but every year there's a national gingerbread house competition at the Grove Park Inn in Asheville. For a few years, up until 2012, my mom competed every year. The last year, she managed to place in the top 10 with the 12 Days of Christmas house pictured below. Uh, Photos of her house were shared around so much that I can just Google 12 Days of Christmas gingerbread house whenever I need to show it off to someone. For reference, the plywood base is two foot by two foot. Uh, Some of the edible glitter disco dust that she used for the house is still embedded in our dining room table. I can't remember exactly how long it took my mom to make the house, but many contestants will start building in the spring for the November competition. Interestingly, the house that won the last year my mom competed, 2012, used a brand new technique that caused quite a stir among the competition regulars. The house was of the three wise men pictured below. So some rules of the competition are are that the house must be at least 75% gingerbread, and some of that gingerbread must be visible. A lot of houses use fondant, and at first glance, that's what this house looks like. Uh, Some of the regular competitors were complaining that was just all fondant. But that house is entirely 100% gingerbread. No fondant. The lady who made it created a new technique she called gingerbread clay. She baked sheets of gingerbread until it crumbled, ran it through a mill to make a flour out of it, and rehydrated it until it was the consistency of clay— at which point she added coloring and molded and baked the figures into their final form. Since we haven't gone back to the competition after that year, I don't know how much of an impact the technique made overall, but in the immediate aftermath, there was quite a hubbub about it. Love it. (laughs) Gingerbread hubbub. Oh, that's delightful. Innovations. Right? Right, that is some... Savvy material science, some savvy gingerbread material science. I yes. adore it. I do too. And um, she sent us pictures. And if you are looking for a rabbit hole, we should start just having a rabbit hole of the day recommendations. At yeah. The end. Oh, this absolutely. A great one. They are amazing. Like, yeah, beautiful, stunning, stunning work. Yeah, like stuff yeah. that I definitely couldn't produce out of any material, let alone gingerbread. Right. So right. I'm trying to make a diorama right now for D&D. And, uh, oh, yeah? <laughs> I do have our super producer, Dylan, gave me a uh, Marvel gingerbread house kit because he's oh. the best. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. I'm trying to incorporate that into the diorama, and I think <laughs> things are getting out of hand. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost at the point of no return, and I'm a little afraid. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that is... That's wonderful. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I hope that you come to a place of, of peace with whatever it is that you're doing with it. 
but I am delighted that you're making the effort. I hope I can find peace with my <laughs> Avengers-themed gingerbread D&D D&D diorama. Di- yeah. Also. That, that is a noun phrase right there. That is a whole noun phrase that I think you just innovated. I don't think that anyone has ever used it before. I'm a wordsmith. <laughs> it's true. It's poetry true. what I do. <laughs> well, oh gosh. Thanks to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. You can also reach out on social media. We are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.